0: We're in Genesis chapter 46, Genesis chapter 46. Again, I mention this from time to time, you want to be in ex- you have expectation when you come to the study of God's word. You want to know that the word of God speaks. And so we're gonna ask for God's help, we're gonna, we're gonna pray and, and then we're gonna get into the word together. Um, there's going. Just let me make this quick announcement before we do that. Um, we're going to be a little delayed on our deacon ordination. Uh, that's because I'm Pastor Ball Dropper. <laughs> I realized today that I hadn't uh, uh, finished coordinating this with the pastors, and so uh, we will get that done. Uh, perspective deacons, you should be hearing from us this week, and um, and then we'll want to get a, a message back from you ASAP. But. Anyway, let's pray, and then let's get to work in, in Genesis. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, confess our need. Lord, accept the Spirit, open our understanding. We won't see the beauty, the truth, the instruction. Uh, Lord, both the warnings and the encouragement. Lord, we want to we hear from you this morning. And so, God, would you, would you bless us would you bless this time in your word? Lord, let it, let it bear fruit in our lives. Again, we don't want to be guilty of just knowing information and, and considering facts regarding your word. Lord, we want to know you, and we want to hear from you. We want you to have your way with our life. Again, God, um, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and and, uh, and yet, you know, here we are, all of us as ministers, uh, endeavoring to keep under our body and, and to stay focused in serving you with this vessel. And, and, and here I am, a man of stumbling lips. And, and Lord, I just have the, the, the very real capacity of just causing confusion. Uh, Lord, would you just set the weakness of my flesh aside and let your word in the power of your spirit speak to our lives this morning in Jesus name, amen. Okay, in Genesis 46 we see Jacob's family go down into Egypt and you remember the story, I mean, he, he, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and, and it's a wonderful reunion and he sends them back to go get their family with blessings, uh, with resources. Egypt is funding, right, Egypt is footing the bill On the move for Israel, and we saw that that's you know how they go in is exactly how they go out over 400 years later. Uh, But here this morning, we'll see Jacob's family in faith uh, moving to be with Joseph, and so we're going to just title verses one through seven, we'll head that by uh, the phrase a faith proposition. Verse one says, In Israel took his journey with all that he had. So Jacob is now moving out of Canaan with everything and everyone to the land of Egypt. Uh, in Genesis 45, we saw the great generosity of Pharaoh. I mean, he's, I mean, he's telling them, don't worry, about, don't worry about bringing anything. Y'all just come. You're gonna live off the fat of the land. I'm gonna take care of you. Uh, you're, you're gonna do just fine. You don't even need to bring your stuff. Well. Israel, Jacob, demonstrates great wisdom here. So get this down in your notes. Jacob does not come to a heathen nation. He doesn't come into heathen hospitality as a beggar. He doesn't do that. Paul, the apostle Paul, understands this principle. When he ministered in Corinth, check out what he said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12. He said, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. What power are we talking about? Well, here we go. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Those who are serving in ministry um, in terms of God's economy, how God runs His affairs, those who labor in ministry in, the, in and over the affairs of ministry, they're partakers of the resources of the ministry. Paul's like everybody understands this. Well, here it is, verse fourteen. Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach of the gospel or preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But here's Paul's attitude when he's ministering to this very pagan people in Corinth. He says, but I have used none of these things. Neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me. I'm not telling, I'm not informing you how this works so that you'll write me a big fat check and feed me ribeye at every meeting. Man, like the whole world would get excited about ministry if there was just ribeye at every function. Every, anyway, no, that's not what we're in it for. For it were better for me to die Look at that. Look at his heart. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. Here's Paul, he's a very hard worker, okay? He absolutely has the right mentality in terms of his approach and, and, and Corinth owed him a living. He is the guy that God is using to minister the terms of the gospel, the truth of the gospel to them. These people are coming out, I mean they're, be, they're being translated from darkness into light. They're going from, from separation from God over their sin to being reconciled through the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul is preaching to them. They're now believing on the finished work of Christ at Calvary, they're born again, their life has been changed for eternity, and Paul's like, look, you know, this hard-working man is saying, I'm not gonna be chargeable to any of you. Look at what he says in verse 18 of this same chapter. He says, what is my reward? What is my reward then? Look at his heart in ministry. Verily that when the gospel, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we find out that Paul is, well the church at Corinth finds out that Paul is sent as a missionary to them. 2 Corinthians 11 verse seven, he says, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. Look at look at how he got it done. Verse eight: I robbed other churches, taking wages wages of them to do you service. Uh, man, I you know I've thought about this a number of times over the years. I, that just might be a great line for a prospective missionary. You know, let's you know Andrew Wong's traveling this week. He's visiting churches. He ought to just show up and the first line be, I'm here to rob you. <laughs> Stick him up. It's a hold up, right? I robbed other churches, why? Taking wages of them to do you service. They, these other churches sent Paul so that he could minister the gospel in Corinth free of charge. His, his needs, his resources are taken care of. Verse nine, and when I was present with you, I wanted I mean, I had need when I was with you. I was, I, I was ministering to you, I was serving you, and I had lack and, and wanted. I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Uh, Corinth, this is not going to cost you anything. Now, the gospel, getting the gospel to the nations, man, it costs, it's expensive. We, you know, you want to you want to have a faith-based approach to your finances. Okay, uh, as as God entrusts you with resources as a steward, you want to be obedient. You want to be full of faith, and you want to give as God has given to you. Uh, this is the principle of the tithe. So you start there. But as you grow in Christ, as you get full of faith, you start offering free will offerings. In other words, it's just. This, this, this is not enough, there's so much need, there's so much opportunity to invest as a steward of God into the ministry of God. Well then, man, I, now you're giving free will offerings and then, and then ministry needs to multiply in another nation and another culture and another context and, and to do that, that, that's really expensive. Living Faith Saigon is not, did I get that right? Yeah, Ho Chi Minh, Living Faith Saigon that is not gonna be cheap. That is going to be very expensive. I hope Andrew robs us because that's, what's, what, that's what it's gonna take to, to see a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping, church-planning church based out of Ho Chi Minh. I mean, The function of ministry, can be, it can't be expensive, but the gospel itself is free. We can never lose sight of that. The gospel itself is a free offering, and Paul wanted to make sure that Corinth never missed that. They're not paying for anything. They're not paying for their salvation. So this is the principle that Jacob is following. It's the principle that that Paul followed, and I wanna encourage you, let it be the principle that we follow. So get this down in your notes, here's the key, don't be a mooch, to mooch as in to freeload, right? You're living on someone else's generosity or hospitality, here's the key, without sharing in the cost of the responsibility. Uh, How would you use it in a sentence? Well, he's always mooching off his friends even though he can easily pay his own way. To mooch means to freeload, to beg, to leech, to sponge to use or exploit others. See, you didn't think mooch was a word, but it is, it's a word. And don't let it describe you. (laughs) Don't mooch off the people that you're to be ministering the gospel to. He's like, I feel a call to minister to rich people. Oh, oh, said the mooch, right? (laughs) So how is your ministry toward the lost gonna work when the lost consistently have a low level of dread at, at, at your approach. Oh, here comes the mooch, right? You say, hey, let's get together and catch up. And then you spend the time in their ear and then leave them with the bill, right? You leave them with the check. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, is God our provider or not? Does God got us? Is he taking care? Has He promised to supply our need? Well, we can trust Him for that. Trust him for his provision. In Matthew chapter six, you see this incredible kingdom principle. Jesus describing the physical needs that come up in life. And he says, you know, the lost world worries about these things. The Gentiles, they're always worried. They're always seeking after these things. Here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, those things of need in your life, well, God will take care of that. You need a spouse. Man, okay, great. Get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. In all things, right, seek God first in his righteousness and the spouse that he has for you will be added unto you. Right, you need a, you need a raise, you need, you need more resource for, for, for a growing family. Get full of faith, get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be the best worker in your company. You want your boss to come to you and say, hey, are there any other Christians at your church, looking for a job. Uh, the first time that happened to me, this I was in sales. I was working for a, a, an electronics distributor and manufacturer. It was for business equipment, comms equipment, that kind of thing, and and uh, we we sold wholesale. And so you're doing these really big deals, selling big chunks of stuff to to these companies that resell it, and and uh, uh, you know I I I got trained as an electronics engineer. But the problem was when I graduated, Bendix King, it's, it's Honeywell today, <laughs> down in, uh, in Grandview, they just laid off 2,000 electronics engineers. The Kansas City market was flooded. Well, I had to, after I graduated from engineering school, I, I knew I had to go to the Bible school and, and that meant I was stuck in Kansas City for at least another four years. And, and so I just, I took the first job that looked like it would pay the bills. And, and so I took this sales job and uh, the only reason that, the only reason I got that is so that they could say they had an electronics engineer on their sales staff, you know. I never used the degree a day in my life. A, I mean, financially, a horrible investment. <laughs> but it's what God used to get me here, and, and so I praise the Lord for it, and, and, uh, and, and so you don't make money if you're not selling. And I, I wanted to make money, and so I started selling, and, and I sold a lot. And the, the, the general manager of our company comes to me and says, I need to talk to you. I thought I was in trouble. We go to his office and he says, are there any other people at your church that we could hire in sales that we're looking for people like you? I almost cried. I'm like, yes, Lord. You know, he sees it. He wants believers because he thinks it's gonna be good for him or profitable for him. And so I told him, yeah, I know two guys. And uh, it yeah, he let both of them go. It was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, I could tell you stories, but I won't. Second Thessalonians three ten. Look at the heart of the apostle Paul. He says, "For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat." Brothers and sisters, be a hard worker. God promises to supply all your need. It's called a job. Get a job, you. <laughs> Get a job. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 12. Now them which are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Joseph has all the bread, doesn't he? Jacob is in big trouble. He can't. I mean, he's at a place where it's got to all be grace. He can't work really hard. He can't go get a raise. He can't go get a promotion. There's no resource in Canaan. He can't quietly eat his own bread, can he? Joseph has all the bread, so Jacob comes with the cash, right? He doesn't have the bread, so he comes with the cash. So here it is again, Genesis 46, verse 1. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto, God, unto the God of his father, Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Watch this now, fear not to go down into Egypt for I will there make of thee a great nation. Now remember the picture, you know, in terms of the spiritual direction of the patriarchs, to go to Egypt was to go down not just geographically, but also spiritually. Egypt, spiritually, is always down. But, but here in Genesis 46, there's a difference in this trip. Okay, you can be in a place where geographically you're going down, and it has the potential spiritually to take you down, but at the end of the day, who's gonna reach the lost world? And so get this principle down, right? There are, there are exceptions like, like Jesus having to go to Egypt, Herod wants him dead. And so his family goes down to Egypt. And Hosea 11, verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him, watch this now, and called my son out of Egypt. So why is he going? Well, there's a difference between running to the world and being sent to the world. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between going to make a life for yourself in the world versus being an ambassador of Christ being sent to minister to the world. We're in the world, we're not of it. In Matthew chapter 28, what did Jesus tell? What did he tell the disciples? What did he tell this this budding church? Go into all the world. Doing what? Preaching the gospel, not mooching off the world, not, not living off the lost. Now go into all the world preaching the gospel, those that respond to the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection over our sin problem before God. We baptize them and then we disciple them, teaching them all things whatsoever Christ has commanded. And Jesus said, I'm with you in this. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, right? The entire life of the church, God is with us in being in the world, but not of the world. We're in the world to reach the world. Here's the key, verse four, and I will go down with thee into Egypt. There it is again, lo, I am with you always. And I will also surely bring thee up again. Egypt is not your home, you have a promised land. Just like the believer, this world is not our home. I grew up in a little country church and one of the songs we would sing is, is, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. My treasure's laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Uh, I would sing it, but I don't want to offend you. Okay, so. But that's the mentality of the believer. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. You know, in verses two through four, God is just so good to encourage Israel. And you did. it. You just see that common theme in Jacob's life, right? At every crisis point, at every every time where it was just, I mean, the chips were down, God shows up. You remember when he's fleeing from Esau in chapter 28, when he has to return and face Esau in chapter 31, right? Meeting him in 32. Uh, We see him at Bethel in chapter 35, and now here is he has to go down to Egypt in 46. Now, get this down. When it's time for you to make a move, whenever God is moving you, he will make it plainly known. And this is a principle, principle that we need to understand today. So many people think based on their feelings, they're getting a message from God and they end up making a mess of their life, okay? Whenever, whenever it's time for you to make a change, whenever it's time for you to make a move, God can make that clear to you. This is a principle that we must understand today. I mean, if you're the only one that's hearing from the Lord about what you're, this new thing you're supposed to do or where this new place you're supposed to go, this new relationship that you're supposed to bind yourself to, and if you're the only one that is hearing from the Lord, quote unquote, beware, because God speaks to his people So get this down, accountability is safety. Accountability is safety. If you're the only one that's hearing from the Lord on whatever it is, you ought to just file that away. Put that in your back pocket and sit on it, okay? Because at the point where God is making his word, his way, his will over your life clear, uh, everybody's gonna see it. Now here, it's God confirming to Jacob Right, and he he says to Jacob the same thing he says to all of us, anytime God's moving you, don't be afraid, fear not. Once you have direction, follow it. Follow the leading of the Lord. Matthew Henry said, God reminded Jacob that he knew him, knew all about his natural sinfulness and weakness, and yet loved him and covenanted with him. God called him by name, by his old name, Jacob Jacob, to remind him of his low estate. His present fears did scarcely become an Israel. right, Jacob, Jacob, don't be worried. I've got you. I'm gonna build the nation of Israel from you in this land of Egypt. Okay, so verse five, and Jacob arose, right? He rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods which they had gotten in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. So here's the picture. When God is with you, you don't just go down, right, into the world spiritually. No, 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 you don't just go down. You're going into the world. You're in the world, you're not of it. You're there but not part of it. And now you're in a place where God can bless you because you're there at his direction. You're not there to see what you can get for yourself, a life that you can make for yourself in the lost, sinful estate of this world. This is a, this is a, a, a big issue for believers. You know, how do I know when God is moving me? How, how do I know when I'm being called to a new mission field? How do I know when I'm being called to a, a, a next new big endeavor? Uh, so how can I know the will of God for my life? And yeah, you'll have the Spirit's inner witness to your heart, but that's subjective. What if you're reading that wrong, you know? And yeah, you, you, man, God, God, can, God can lead your heart, no question about it. The Spirit can, can burden you over things. Uh, what about the outward circumstances of your life? Can God use that to direct you? Absolutely. When your boss says you're fired, guess what? God's moving you to other employment. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, outward circumstances of life can't, but what if you're misreading those? Here it is. Here's the clincher the objective truth of God's word. You need to know that how you're moving forward, you need to know that it's in faith, that it's in submission to what the clear word of God says over your life. See, that way, when God wants to move us, you know, sometimes God, when he wants to move us, he makes us uncomfortable. He'll use our circumstances uh, to force, he can force a move. And that's what's happened here in the life of Jacob. It's life in Canaan now is not tenable, okay? There, there's no way they're gonna survive where they're at. Uh, their circumstances are forcing a move. Well, how do they know it's to Egypt that they're supposed to go? Well, Joseph told them to. That's how they know. They've got this picture of Christ directing them. And so what this is, this is what Deuteronomy chapter 32 describes as the eagle stirring her nest. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 verse seven looks back to this time in the life of Israel. Remember the days of old, Deuteronomy 32 verse seven. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee, thy elders and they will tell thee. When the most high divided to the nations their inheritance. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste, and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Here it is, verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttering over her young, spreadeth the spreadeth broader wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God before him. At the end of everything, Jacob could, could say, he could now know God was in this move. Joseph gave the call, the word came, and the Lord confirmed it. And the Lord encouraged him to move forward in faith. Now just a note, this is the fourth point in this section. Uh, God's prof- What's happening here is God's prophecy to Abraham, over 200 years before, is now being fulfilled. Uh, God had 200 years earlier told Abraham that that they would be in a strange nation, you know, and so now that is happening. And I give you the cross reference there. That's Genesis 15:12 through 13. All right, verses 8 through 30 lists the family of Jacob. This is the the list of the budding nation of Israel. Verses eight through 27 list the names specifically and so, so somebody pray for me. Let's just read through it. I'm sure we'll have plenty to laugh about. Okay, here it is, verse eight. And these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, again. Somebody just said a prayer, right? Here they are, Jacob and his sons Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanak, and Phalu, and Hezron, and Carmi, and the sons of Simeon, uh, Jamul, and Jamin, and Ohad, and Jachin, and Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanitish woman, the sons of Levi, Gershon, and Kohath, and Merari, and the sons of Judah, Aaron, Onan, and Shalah, and Perez and Zerah. But Aaron, Onan, died in the land of Canaan. Do you remember, that was a pretty rough chapter when we saw God, I mean, they didn't just die in the land of Canaan, the Bible says God slew them. Why? Well, because they were wicked. They refused to honor their deceased brother, or the, the, to, uh, to, to, raise up, to raise up seed. You know, heir was a sinner. God slays him. Onan refuses to raise up seed. And, and so the widow poses as a prostitute and, and um, is, is a child of, of Judah himself. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul, and the sons of Issachar, Tola, uh, Fuva, and Job, and Shimron, and the sons of Zebulon, Sered, and Elon, and Jaleel, Le- uh, Jaleel, and the sons of Leo, which she bare unto Jacob and Padanaram, with his daughter Dinah, all the souls of his sons and his daughters watch this now, were 30 and three. So we got 33. And the sons of Gad, Ziphion and Haggai, and Shuni and Esbon and Ari, and Erdai and erali and the sons of Asher Jemna, and Ishua, and Eshua, and, and and Esui, and uh, Beriah, and Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Beriah, Heber, and uh, Malchiel; these are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah his daughter. And these she bare unto Jacob, even sixteen souls. So we got thirty-three. We got sixteen. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. And unto Joseph, in the land of Egypt, were born Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, which, which Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And the sons of Benjamin were Bela, and uh, Beker, and Ashbel, and Gera, and Naaman, uh, Ehi, and Rosh, Muppam, and Huppam, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, which were born to Jacob. All the souls were 14. And the sons of Dan, Husham, and the sons of uh, Naphtali, Uh, Jazael, and Guni, and Jazer, and uh, Shelem. These are the sons of Billah, which Laban gave unto Rachel his daughter, and she bare these unto Jacob. All the souls were seven. All the souls that came down with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives. Okay, that's a key phrase in your Bible because it's gonna clear up an apparent contradiction later on. We'll look at that in a second. So besides, they're not listed, Jacob's sons' wives, okay? All the souls were threescore and six. And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. And all the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were threescore and ten. The whole family is 70, is what's listed here uh, in the Genesis account. And so, whew, Thank God that was the toughest part of Genesis. We just got through it, uh, all the names. Okay, so all of Israel's family comes down and we see it's a list of 66 people. If you add Joe and his wife and their two sons, now we've got 70 in the family of Joseph. But, but people will look at that and say, aha, we've got a big problem. There's a mistake in the Bible. Acts chapter seven verse 14 says it's 75. Look at Acts 7:14. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred threescore and 15 souls. So why does Acts 7.14 say there's 75 people, but then the Genesis account says there's 70? Where do you get the other, where do you get the other, the other people? I mean, where does where, where, that come from? Well, okay, Acts 17 doesn't include Joseph and his wife and his two sons in the count. That's not what Acts 17, right? He's coming, and what is coming? 75 people. That's what Stephen said in his last message. Okay, why the difference then? Well, okay. So remember, we just saw 66 here in Genesis 46. That doesn't include Jacob's wife and or um, Jacob's sons' wives. It doesn't include them. Uh, look back at verse 26 again. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, were right. All the souls were threescore and six not counting Jacob's son's wives. Do you see that? They're not in the count here in Genesis chapter 46. All the souls that come to Egypt, besides Jacob's son's wives, we're not counting them, it's 66. So 66 plus nine, that's how you account for Jacob's son's wives, equals the 75 people in Acts 7 verse 14. Does that make sense? It's all in your notes in case it was confusing. You can check it out later. Uh, that explains where the, the, the difference is because the Genesis account told you we're not counting them all. So Jacob says, here they are. I mean, if some of the sons had three or four wives, then he would have gave a number of you know, 78, 79, 80, uh, you know. Um, uh, Stephen, had the, he had the count, he knew the lowdown. So there it is. All right, verse 28. Then he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face, his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him. Can you imagine the reunion? After decades of being separated, they finally, father and son, are reunited So Joseph presents himself to Israel, watch this now, verse 29, and fell on his neck and wept on his, Jacob's neck, he wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, now let me die since I have seen thy face because thou art yet alive. Okay, that doesn't sound like he was happy to see him, but that's exactly what happened. You know, finally I see you after all these years, I want to die. It sounds like, you know, on the surface it looks like rejection, but it's not. It's like, I can now die happy. I can, my life has been fulfilled. Like, this is all I wanted out of life was to see you, to know you're well. And so he has this. So Jacob settles his family, right? Or or Joseph settles his family in Goshen. This is the most fertile part of Egypt. It's the best of the land. So he settles them there. And this is the place where where Jacob reunites with Joseph. And Joseph I mean, I don't know how long a good while is, but it's a long time. He just grabbed his father and fell on his neck and just started weeping. Verse 29, the lesson to learn there is we need to learn the value of proper tears. Some things are worth crying about. You know, in John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, Joseph, okay, don't, let's not get this idea. Okay, he wept on his brother's neck, right? He's weeping on his father's neck. But Joseph is not a crybaby. There's no record of him crying when he was a slave in Potiphar's house. There's no record of him weeping when he's in prison. He's enduring hardness as a good soldier, right? He's not, jo- Joseph is not a crybaby. But Joseph is now mature. And you learn with maturity that some things are worth tears. Men weep. Okay? Men aren't crybabies. They're not whiners crying. I mean, man, don't be a crybaby. Don't be a whiner. But some things are worth tears. And men are willing, mature men are willing to give them. Your family, husbands, fathers, your family needs to see you weep over things of eternal value. They need to see through the maturity of your mind, your will, and your emotions, things of real worth. If your kids see you crying over a dent in the car, you're sowing death into them. (laughs) You're teaching a kid to drive, and they (laughs) they, they put a, they they mangle your fender, you know, (laughs) and you're weeping over that. Man, your kids need to see you weeping over their heart. They need to see you weeping over lost souls. They need to see you weep over things that actually have eternal value. Is this making sense? Man, my prayer for our husbands and our fathers is that God would soften our hearts. All right, verses 31 through 34, we'll call this last section, final preparation. And Joseph said unto his brethren and unto unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, my brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan are come come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, what is your occupation? That ye shall say, thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And so this was a very fertile part of the land. It was reserved for herds and flocks, and so this way Israel could live in the best, the most fertile part. Now Joseph does this. He's prepping his family this way so that it goes well with Pharaoh. He wants to ensure that nobody has second, second thoughts about them living in Goshen, right? He wants this to go well. He wants to ensure that they end up in the best part of the land. But also, because shepherds are despised by the Egyptians, this ensures no mixture of the budding nation of Israel with pagan Egypt. Does that make sense? In other words, how do you keep them from intermarrying and this peculiar people, this called out nation from among the Gentile nations, how do we keep that Israel? Uh, So, Joseph, Joseph knows, I mean, it's a simple solution. Just tell them you're shepherds, and that'll solve everything. It'll put you where the flocks belong, and you'll live well. Your gardens are really gonna thrive there. <laughs> you're gonna do well, and, um, and uh, nobody's gonna ask for your daughter's hand in marriage, and nobody's given their daughters to you. That's the result. Now, some people look at this and say that, that Joseph was ashamed of his relatives, and again, Matthew Henry makes a great, a great observation. He says, Joseph was not ashamed of his relatives, though he was a great man, and they were now right comparatively mean and despicable, especially in Egypt, yet he, yet Joseph owned them. He owned his family. And so the lesson to learn there is let those that are rich and great in the world learn hence not to overlook or despise their poor relations. And you don't ever want to look down your nose at your family. That's your blood, right? Uh, These are the people that you want to have a heart of compassion toward at all times. Let those that are rich and great in the world learn hence not to overlook or despise their poor relations. Every branch of the tree is not a top branch, but because it is a lower branch, is it therefore not of the tree? And then here's the The great application, our Lord Jesus, like Joseph here, is not ashamed to call us brethren. That's Hebrews chapter two, verse 11. He's not ashamed. I mean, think about that. You wanna talk about, I mean, the spread between Joseph and his family. At this point, it's pretty immense. They're being, Israel is being reduced to poverty over the last two years. And now they come to Egypt to live with Joseph. Joseph is, I mean, his wealth, his glory, right, his position, the heights of his life, um, there's no comparison now. Joseph has been exalted, right, exalted. He has been lifted up, okay. Uh, Man, he doesn't despise his family. He doesn't throw them away. He's pleased to call them brethren. Well, as big as that spread was, Think about the distance between the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and us here on earth. And the Lord Jesus himself is owning you as his brother, right? As his brethren, as his brothers and sisters. Man, how rich are we that the creator of heaven and earth calls us his own. I'm so glad I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know that Jesus claims you, that needs to get solved today. All right, so the worship team's gonna come and we're gonna close. And as we do that, I just ask that nobody be moving around because we, we've got plenty of time for the break. Uh, let's, let's give an account. Let's respond, right? Where are we in relationship to what we learned today? Uh, maybe some this morning need to be praying for provision. Uh, you need a job so that you're not mooching off the people that you're supposed to be ministering to. Others, man, you're in the world and you're of the world and and maybe today is a day of repentance where you need to recognize, no, God is with me, I'm in this world, not to be a part of it but to reach it for Christ. I I need to grow as a minister. Others, you're wondering how God's directing your life And maybe today's a day where you just put a stake down and say, I'm not going to follow my feelings here, Lord. I'm going to follow the objective truth of your word. I'm going to follow its precepts. Others may just need to get broken over the people that God's put in your life. Uh, You've got maybe a lost family member that needs to come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They that sow in tears, right, they come again rejoicing bringing that harvest with them, bringing their sheaves with them. Man, um, the best thing that we can do is preach the gospel, sow the seed of the gospel and water it with tears. Maybe there's, maybe there's a soul that, that you need to lift up to the Lord this morning. I don't know what you, I mean, I don't know specifically how the Word of God applied to you this morning. Uh, we covered so much and it's so rich. I know this, uh, the Word of God does speak and God showed you a part of your life. He showed you something in your heart your life that, that you now have opportunity to respond over. And I want to just invite you. God's worth our submission, amen? Oh, he's worth that. And, and so if there's some call that he has on your life, man, let's give that to the Lord. Let's surrender to that. Let's, let's submit to that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And if God's dealing with your heart, come forward, we wanna pray and counsel with you, okay? Father, Lord, today there are people here, some have a a form of godliness but no reality. There are people who think that they're going to heaven because they've done good things all their life and they think their good things outweigh their, their, their bad things. And they're just, we're just, Lord, we all start this way, we're just ignorant in terms of what the scriptures say, that all have sinned and come short of your glory that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in your sight. That God, we're all sinners in desperate need of a savior. And so Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for those that do not know you, for those who are born again. Lord, I pray that we would surrender, that we would submit our lives to what your word says. Lord, some of us recognize we need to grow in maturity. Others need to recognize we need to, we need to grow in consecration. Others, we need to come to the place where we determine that we're not going to follow our feelings. We're not going to get the bit in our teeth and go away that's right in our own eyes, but we're going to make decisions and we're going to follow according to the direction of your word. Lord, you're God, we're your people. Have your way with us, I pray, And so, Lord, we trust you for your grace in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.